Well, happy Mother's Day, everyone. I am so thrilled to be here again to preach with you, and it is so special to me that it's on Mother's Day. Uh, this is only my second Mother's Day where I have been a mom, but what a wonderful gift it is. Since I have been a mom for over a year now, I thought I would start by telling you what it has meant to me. So being a mom means that you always have snacks in your pocket because they truly are the key to everything. Being a mom means you find Cheerios in every crevice everywhere. I mean everywhere. Being a mom means that sometimes I show up to meetings with beefaroni in my hair. Yes, that happened. <laughs> Being a mom means you never have time to yourself anymore, not even in the bathroom. Being a mom means walking around all day with just a little bit of spit up on your shoulder, wondering what that smell is. But most of all, being a mom means that your heart now walks around outside your body, and it is terrifying. I know that Mother's Day is both a happy day and a hard day for many. Some celebrate today while others mourn. Some mourn the loss of their own mom or mourn the desire to be a mom that hasn't been fulfilled yet. Some of you celebrate your biological moms and some celebrate those who've come alongside you and been a mother figure to you. And some of you walked in today and thought it's a sermon about Mother's Day, so I'm just going to check out because it doesn't really relate to me. But I'm here to say that the message today is for each and every person in this room. We've been in a ser sermon series called Common Questions About Jesus, and we've been answering those questions that are commonly asked, like, did Jesus really exist? Was he really the Messiah? Did he really raise from the dead? And so today we answer the question, what was Jesus's family like? I think today that we will see not only did Jesus care for his biological birth family, but he brought us all into God's family in a special way. So before we dive in this morning, would you pray with me? Lord, we truly do just sit at your feet this morning. Open our minds and our hearts today. Help my words to only be what you want them to be. Speak through me. We long to hear from you, because truly nothing else will do. Amen. Well, I heard a story a couple of weeks ago about a mom who had four kids all under the age of five. They were running around the house and being super wild. Their mom was exhausted because she had asked over and over again, slow down, lower your voices, to no avail. All of them came shrieking into the kitchen and she slammed her hand down on the kitchen table and said, what is wrong with you? Were you born in a barn? Her four-year-old looked up at her, flashed a big giant smile and said, no, but Jesus was, and he turned out okay. <laughs> so that is where we start today. Jesus, God with us. 
the almighty Savior born in a barn to human parents. Luke chapter 1, verse 35, the angel answered Mary, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Mary, an ordinary Palestinian girl, was living in between the exciting time between betrothal to Joseph and marriage to him. But it's then that God surprises her and an angel tells her that she is with child, even though she's still a virgin. Jesus, Lord of all, entered this world by being born into it. What a remarkable thing. Having been through childbirth now, I can tell you it is a messy, hard way to enter this world. And yet the God of the universe went through it for us. One sermon I heard said, Mary was the mother of the Lord God Almighty. No matter how often you think about it, it is just too big to comprehend. But it is no less true for that. The uncreated power that sustains the stars became a baby. This is remarkable. Don't miss it. Mary, who is astounded by this, goes to her cousin Elizabeth, who is currently pregnant with John the Baptist despite her advanced age. Elizabeth ensures Mary that she is blessed, and then Mary utters this beautiful song in Luke chapter 1 that I encourage you to go back and read when you have the time. It's called the Magnificat, and it starts with this. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Mary here praises the Lord in this beautiful song, despite what this pregnancy was going to mean for her. She knew that God had done something magnificent inside her, and that this child was going to bring total renewal to her and to all humanity. Well, you know the story. Joseph decides that he's going to divorce her quietly until he too is visited by an angel. The angel says to him, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And so Jesus is born to Mary and to his adoptive father, Joseph. Mark 6.3 also tells us that he had brothers and sisters. It says, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? Many scholars believe that his brother James is the same one who wrote the book, James, and also some believe that his brother Judas is the one who wrote the book Jude. I've heard before that the fact that his siblings believed that he truly was the son of God is so much proof that it was true. I mean, think about it. If your sibling told you they were the son of God, how hard would that be for you to believe? What a great testament to him being who he said he was that even his siblings believe him. 
Well, how incredible is it just to pause for a moment and think about Jesus having this family here on earth. Think of sitting around the table for dinner with him. He had parents who took care of him, siblings who grew up alongside him. His father Joseph was a carpenter and so he learned that trade from him just as any son would. This is not something that I think we pause and think about very often. However, I don't wanna stop there because Jesus extends his family even wider in the main passage that I wanna look at this morning. All of this was kind of an introduction to my main point for today. So as we dive in, would you please stand with me if you are able for the reading of scripture. Matthew chapter 12, verses 46 through 50 says, while Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brother stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and here are my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. You may be seated. Well, this passage is really interesting. We know that his siblings became believers, but they weren't until after he had died and rose from the dead. His family probably didn't quite understand. They didn't really get it yet. And here we see them standing outside. Dale Bruner talks about the idea of them standing outside as both of these words spelling indecision. They were not sitting inside at Jesus' feet as his disciples were, but they were in a place where they could readily walk away. It was a spirit of indecision. They also seemed to have felt some responsibility for him. And as a respectful son, his response should probably be to go out to them. But instead he asks this question, who is my mother and who are my brothers? This somewhat reminds us of the passage in Luke 14. It says in verse 26, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Hard words. But we have to hold this verse and the fifth commandment to honor father and mother in both hands and reconcile them. It's not about literally hating your own family. It's about making God so radically number one in your life. So today on Mother's Day, I'm aware that some are not mourning the loss of their mother but instead the loss of what they wanted their mom to be. Perhaps she hasn't lived up to your expectations. Perhaps she's disappointed you. Perhaps your family hasn't been all you wanted them to be. They let you down. But here's the thing, none of us have parents that are all they should be, and none of us are parents that are all we should be. We will inevitably let our kids down. But how do we then not feel broken with disappointment? Jesus can be our primary family connection. 
he can be closer than a brother. And then our family does not have to be our everything. You see, this helps in so many ways because some of us put too much weight on our families. We need them to be too much for us. This takes the weight off. We can relate to them on the right basis because Jesus is our primary family connection. He fulfills that need within us like no one else can. Pete Nicholas, in his sermon on this passage, said that if someone becomes your all and everything, it's a pressurized relationship. It becomes a performance review instead of a relationship filled with freedom and joy. But if Jesus can be our primary relationship, then we can take the good things about our relationships and we can serve the other person without needing to derive from them our sense of value. And I love that Jesus in this passage reaches his hand out to his disciples in a gesture of love. Here are my mother and my brothers, he says, for whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. What remarkable and loving words he expresses here towards his disciples. But what does it mean to do the will of the Father? It certainly doesn't mean to be perfect because we are all incapable of that and his disciples were incapable of that as well. But instead, we should look at this passage and what they're doing here. They're sitting at his feet. The disciples are not doing anything to deserve this blessing spoken over them. They are just sitting at Jesus' feet. This reminds us of the story of Mary and Martha. If you remember the story, Jesus praises Mary who simply sits at his feet instead of Martha who's running around and busily doing things. Sometimes he simply wants us to sit at his feet. Then we are home. Then we are brother, sister, mother. We sit at his feet we hear from him, and we're truly home. We are part of the family. Bruner says, we are made important by this story. We are made the brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Ephesians 1.5 in the New Living Translation says this, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And I love this part. It says, this is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. You see, God adopted us into his family. And Jesus looked out and he saw his followers sitting at his feet. And all he could do was describe them in the closest possible terms family terms. He looked out and he thought of those women who've been like mothers to him, feeding him, looking out for him, perhaps buying him a new pair of sandals. They formed a new family. This, you see, has drastic implications for our Christian life. 
It means that we can talk to God the Father anytime because we're part of the family. It means that nothing we say is unimportant to him. He truly cares. We can talk to him about anything. We have a family relationship with him. But you know what? We also have a family relationship with each other. When we interact with one another, then we are not interacting with strangers or mere acquaintances. We're interacting with our family. There should be a warmth and an interest there because we want to get to know one another better as members of the same family. So before I close this morning, I'd like to look at one final passage about Jesus and his care for his family. It comes from John chapter 19, verses 25 through 26. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, the disciple took her into his home. Well, I cannot even begin to talk about the pain that Mary must have been in at this moment. Remember, being a mom is having your heart walk around outside your body, and all of you moms here know that to be true. And here she watched her child suffer beyond what is imaginable. I can't even touch on that today because it would break my heart too much. However, I just want to look for a moment at the care that Jesus shows his mom here. His mom, in the midst of her agony, stood by the cross. She stood by her son. She did all that she was able to do, even if it was just so little, to stand by her son while he died. Mary needed a savior too, and Jesus thought of her, and he provided for her. Jesus, with the infinite love that he shows continuously, provided for both of the people that were closest to him. He's not preoccupied with his own suffering, but he cares for them with his amazing love. Wallace Ben, in his sermon on this passage, said, Christ's wisdom and care. None probably understood him as well as his mother, and none had apprehended his love so deeply as had the Apostle John, one of the sons of thunder, turned into the Apostle of love. They would be fit companions for one another. Beneath the cross, then, Christian fellowship is born. Loving care for one another. Mary for John and John for Mary. Christian fellowship and love. Ben says the DNA of the church is born under the shadow of the cross. So here is the new family of God. Here is the community of those who will bear faithful witness to him from now on. Bruner says, the mother of God and the beloved disciple, they take care of one another in obedience to their son and friend on the cross, and so become the nucleus of the new family of the people of God on earth. Remarkable. Wonderful. How do we live in light of this? 
Well, I have three things. First, I think we rejoice because Jesus became one of us. That should fill us with awe. He had a human family. He had siblings and a mom and an adopted dad. He walked and talked and ate on this earth as one of us. That is worth rejoicing over. And second, we receive our adoption into God's family. Jesus should be our primary family connection. He wants to be. That takes the pressure off of our other relationships because we don't need them to be everything for us. We can be grateful for the good things that our relationships give us. We can be grateful for our moms and all that they've done for us. But we don't need them to be our everything because we are adopted into the family of God. That is why we can truly pray our Father who art in heaven. What a wonderful gift. So we rejoice, we receive, and finally we relate to one another as family. Our Christian family is important. It was established in love by Christ. As we see the care of John and Mary for one another that Jesus established on the cross, we then live that out in relationships with one another. We love sacrificially. We genuinely care. We fully listen because we want to be there for our family. And I just have to say that is why I am so thankful to be back here in person with all of you. I missed my family. When I had Kaylee a little over a year ago, it was one of the hardest and most joyful times of my life. I was in and out of the hospital and really struggled. But I have to say it was also one of the times that I was most grateful for my church family. We received cards and phone calls, texts of encouragement and genuine care. We received meals for weeks that were both delicious and helpful when I wasn't up to cooking. We even received gift cards to have food delivered to us once the meals stopped. We were so incredibly grateful. And that is the church family. That is how they care. That is what we do. We carry one another when things get rough. We love one another with a sacrificial love. We come alongside and lend a hand. I need my church family. I am so thankful for them. I am so thankful for you. You know, at Kaylee's baptism, this is what was read to the congregation and we covenanted together in this. Will we, the covenant partners of Glenkirk, commit to welcoming Kaylee into our community, introducing her to faith in Jesus, and helping her to grow into spiritual maturity? That is what we agree whenever someone is baptized in our congregation. And that is what the family of God is all about. So today, I am thankful for my mom, of course, for all that she has done for me. And I am so thankful to be a mom 
and the wonderful, terrifying gift that it is. But today, I am especially thankful for each one of you. I am thankful for every person that has come alongside me and helped raise me in the faith and supported me. And I am so thankful for every person who's gonna do that for my daughter. I hope that today, as we remember what a gift it is to be in the family of God, that we will go out on the patio and greet one another with even bigger smiles and even warmer hugs, because truly, we are a family. Let me close in prayer. Lord, thank you that we have this amazing church family to come alongside one another in this life. Today, we are so grateful for one another, and I pray that we would continue to be the family of God that we were created to be. Help us to love one another as you have loved us. Amen.